What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Brian Costa, and today we have an amazing episode in store for you guys. I'm recording this episode a little bit later in the day. Uh, you know, start time for this episode is approximately 9, 12 p.m. here on Wednesday night at Bryant University. And today, you know, I mean, crazy things have gone on today. I've had an, an incredibly busy day, but luckily I was able to get a guest for this episode today. He's coming all the way from Bridgewater State University, and his name is Sean Howe. Sean, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing really good, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing, man. You know, I am, uh, you know, obviously re recording this thing a little bit later. I'll have you kind of explain how you got into that. But first of all, Sean and I, we, we met each other through, uh, through a close personal friend, Adam Wright. Uh, you know, met him through a house party that he had, you know, way back, uh, way back when, you know, kind of a social gathering that we kind of had. And, uh, you know, me and Sean were able to kind of meet through there. Sean and Sean expressed his interest in coming on a podcast, wanted to talk some football. And during the time, you know, there was no really, there was really no football going on. Unfortunately, it was a lot of off season stuff. So it was really tough for me to kind of, you know, figure out when I wanted to get him on. Luckily now with week one of the NFL season, you know, officially wrapped and, you know, football being back in a full swing, I'm really excited to have uh, Sean on to discuss some of the latest stories. But before we do that, uh, I'll have Sean kind of explain a little bit about himself athletically and, you know, why and, you know, you know, how we kind of came about uh, this as well. So uh, I go to Bridgewater State, as Brian mentioned. Uh, I'm studying computer science, but I actually play football here. And I've played football since I was 10 or 11 years old. I've always had an interest in it. So when I met Brian, and Brian came up to me and told me that he runs a podcast and he talks football. I love talking football. I've loved talking football my whole life. So Brian, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I'm really glad to to have uh, you on as well, especially someone with football knowledge, uh, you know, and being able to actually say that you played collegiately is is another thing itself. Uh, you know, but, you know, we have a ton of awesome stories to get into in in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, another interesting little turn on this is that, you know, I've had a lot of fans on of, of the show. You know, I've had, you know, obviously Justin Tucker of the Fumble Rousey podcast, who's a massive Ravens fan, obviously a bunch of Patriots fans. You yourself, however, you are a Miami Dolphins fan, which, you know, is kind of the bane of my existence. At least you're not a Jets fan. We can all kind of, you know, have some we solace on that. Poor Brian, we can agree. Yeah, poor Jets Brian Mucker, but yeah, I mean, at least you're not a freaking Jets fan. So, I mean, I at least have, you know, some semblance of respect for you, but, you know, I'll, I'll let, you know, you, you've kind of, you know, had to, you know, go to full on fights with us to explain why you are a Jets, uh, not a Jets fan, why you are a Dolphins fan. So, you know, I guess I'll have you do it one more time. You know, when it comes to uh, like, just, pre just pretend that I'm confronting you yet again, man, why the hell are you a Miami Dolphins fan? So, so the reason I'm a Dolphins fan is my father growing up was huge in the players. He was a huge Dan Marino guy. And so he always picked the player. He did it for baseball, too. He was a huge Derek Jeter person. And as they grew into the team, uh, franchise players, he became a Dolphins fan through Dan Marino, a Yankees fan through Derek Jeter. And then eventually when I was born, I just fell right into that. And I've been in love with those teams ever since. Yeah, I love being the oddball. <laughs> it's it definitely is an oddball story i mean my friend pat edwards he's a green bay packers fan more due to his parents kind of being from the location i mean i know my dad growing up was a mets fan based on his geographic location the other thing i mean he he was kind of a player guy himself he liked carl yastrzemski so 
you know, when, you know, but he was always kind of a Mets fan, but when he ended up coming to live in new England full time and live in Massachusetts, he eventually just said, all right, you know, the players that I grew up in new in New, in new York kind of, you know, they're all starting to leave like the guys like Mike Piazza, Dar- uh, Daryl strawberry rather, and other guys like that. All right. Those guys are starting to leave. And he kind of migrated his fanhood to, you know, just supporting the local teams. Cause you know, he was, you know, now going there through work functions and that's how he kind of built his fandom here. And that kind of just translated onto me because I was born into it. Uh, but you know, little tidbit I saw on Dan Marino today. I think, I believe that today is actually Dan Marino's 60th birthday. So uh, yeah. shout out to Dan. Dan's the man. I will say that. <laughs> 60 years young today and God damn it. Keep, you know, got to keep those laces out. But anywho, uh, we have an, um, we have some amazing content to get into for week one NFL news. And I think it's only appropriate to start with, uh, to start with, you know, the, the major storyline going around new England. And that was the debut of Mac Jones. Obviously, you know, uh, Sean, you and I were able to, uh, you and I were able to go and watch this game together. We went over to Adam's house, had a nice little uh, get together. Uh, you know, we, we got to watch, you know, obviously our two, uh, our two teams slug it out in a, in a pretty, in a pretty nice, you know, game. It was low scoring, but all in all, it was a great time. You know, at halftime, we got to have a little pickup football game and, you know, you know, it was kind of a exchange of us just slinging it around the yard. Uh, I had a couple of nice touchdown passes as well as you, and uh, it was a, it was a pretty solid day. I'd say so, but it was great. You know, the good team came out on top. That's all I got to say. Okay. Yeah. Sh- shut, shut the hell up. But anywho, but you know, getting into it, I, I will talk about Tua and Jalen Waddle and all, and all them in a, in a second, but you know, coming into this game, every, the main story. And I mean, even as a Dolphins fan, you can't like, you have to just acknowledge that the main story coming into that, coming to that game was the debut of Mac Jones. And how is he going to compare? Because he's not even replacing Cam Newton. Like every, like, like obviously he is the replacement to Cam Newton, but everyone's has just said at this point, he is, he's the heir apparent to Tom Brady and everyone's everyone wanted to see how is he going to compare coming into this game to, you know, replace, you know, the goat at quarterback, in my opinion, you know, how is he going to be able to compare, you know, you know, you know, in, you know, when it comes to, you know, actually performing at this level and, you know, he ended up going 29 to 39 had 281 passing yards, had one touchdown. It's a nice passing touchdown to Nelson Aguilar had also also had kind of nice uh, drop in pass to James white up the sideline. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get in my opinion. I'll get into my opinion in it in just a second, but what did you think about Mac Jones all in general as a Dolphins fan? I mean, I'm going to say it was impressive. I didn't think it's his first game. He's going to be nervous. I didn't think it's going to be that close. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I also expected my own quarterback to play better, but that's for later. But Mac Jones looked good out there. I mean, Mac Jones didn't look like a rookie playing in his first NFL game. We can agree with that. He threw no interceptions, which is very rare for a quarterback in his first debut. His, I think his quarterback rating was 75 or 76. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to look into the advanced stats on that. But he, but he, I think his completion percentage was, uh, you know, just shy of 75%. So he had a, he had a pretty solid all-round day. That's impressive for a rookie. Yeah. That's impressive. That's no, a it's good very... day for some veterans nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I saw that uh, CBS Sports put out kind of a poll on it, and they ended up ranking, you know, rookie quarterbacks' debuts, and they had Mac Jones at a B, while they put guys like Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence at a at a D plus for Lawrence and a C plus for uh, and a C plus for Wilson. So, you know, you know, he was able to, you know, avoid a lot of the mistakes. You know, a lot of people were saying that Zach Wilson just looks like a Jets quarterback at this point. You know, it's it's kind of just already uh, setting in for him, but. You know, I, I really liked what Mac Jones had to offer. You know, I think that Bill Belichick played it very conservatively, decided, you know, we're going to go a lot of runs here. And, it, you know, 
I will say, I he in my opinion, he gave Mac Jones a lot more leeway than I thought he was going to. I thought it was going to be a lot more run based, and I thought you know it was going to you know you weren't going to see Mac Jones you know attempt anything over like ten yards. He had like I think he had a twenty something yard pat twenty something yard pass at one point. He you know was you know passing you know for more than ten yards like on more than on more than one occasion, which surprised me. I thought he was going to, I thought Belichick was going to keep it relatively short. So, you know, in the little amount I've seen so far, I'm pretty impressed. Well, I mean, in classic Belichick fashion, Belichick doesn't, you know, take the safe route. I mean, Belichick came back down against Atlanta 28 to three. We all remember that. We are all there. Yeah. Belichick takes risks. So, I mean, obviously getting rid of Cam Newton was a risk when he's just, because as soon as he got rid of Cam Newton, he had hundred percent committed to Mac Jones. But I think based on what we saw from Mac Jones on Sunday, I think Patriots have a lot to look forward to this season, this season even with the loss. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot to grow. The loss wasn't even his fault. And I think if you could fix the little things around him, he could be a franchise quarterback. I, I'd have to agree with you there. I mean, you know, again, I was seeing people pin this as kind of a moral victory for the Patriots. And as a Patriots fan, you don't really want to be taking moral victories. You want to be taking physical victories. But, you know, after the terrible season that we had last year, you know, I'll take a, you know, kind of a little morale booster because, you know, it, you know, unlike Cam Newton last year where, you know, he had a, you know, decent start to the season, but for a lot, for the majority of it, you went into those games, you know, expecting it to be, you know, you know, below mediocre and you knew there, you know, it was just going to be disappointing. So, to see kind of some flashes like that, I was pretty impressed by it. I will say that. Now, when it came down to it at the end, you know, Damian Harris had had that fumble that really ended up swinging the entire game. I ended up leaving it. I was I had already left uh, Adam's place at that point, you know. But when that went down, I mean, you know, that's you know, the, as a Patriots team, you know, the amount of penalties they had and the amount and just like the turnovers that they were allowing. I mean, you know, Mac Jones had you know a fantastic day, but he also had some cr- some critical errors at the beginning. Threw the ball backwards at in a in a pretty, uh, you know, in a, in a display that made him kind of look like he was, uh, you know, not really knowing what he was doing at the time. So it, it there kind of has been a back and forth with it, but, you know, I, I think if the Patriots are to cl- were to clean that up, they'll be in for a decent season this year. What are your thoughts? I mean, he had to shake out the nerves. Everyone has nerves. I had yeah. nerves when I played in my first college game. We all got them, <laughs> but I think he shook them off, you know, that first half and he came out. I mean, again, no interceptions. That's impressive. Most yeah. people don't, you know, you have to adjust to the speed of an NFL game. Just like when you go to college, you adjust to the speed of a college game versus a high school game versus a peewee football game. Yeah. So I think that was impressive. I really think there's a lot to look forward to here with Mac Jones. Again, I'm a Dolphins fan. Yeah. And here I am telling, you know, the open world can hear me saying that I think my rival team has a potential new franchise quarterback. And I think it, I think Mac Jones could be the answer that New England's been looking for ever since Tom Brady left. Yes, there's pieces around it to be fixed, but the scoreboard, like you were saying, the scoreboard doesn't tell the whole story. It's what happened behind it. Mac Jones got increasingly better just throughout the duration of the game as it went. Yeah. And it's the pieces around him. And if those pieces fall into place, that team could be good. That team could very much end up in a wild card spot right behind Buffalo and could be a playoff team. Yeah. Uh, you know, also, you know, another topic in the game that I want to get to, obviously, you know, being a Dolphins fan, you know, there are a lot of things that you were looking on as well. How did you feel, you know, as a Dolphins fan, you know, watching Tua, watching Jalen Waddle make his debut, you know, what were your thoughts on the game, you know, you know, from your team's perspective? Um, there was a few things. So uh, Tua still looks, you know, a little shaky. Obviously, there's been a lot of news about Tua in the offseason. Are the Dolphins going to keep him? Are they going to get rid of him? Is he the answer? Is he not the answer? 
And he has a lot to prove right now. And I don't think he necessarily proved that. Um, I think he still has a lot to improve on. The question is, can he improve? Yeah. And I guess that's, you know, waits to be seen. But to be honest, I didn't see much better out of Tua this past weekend than I did in a lot of his starts towards the end of the season. Yeah. The only thing that I can say was a little better was his reads. He wasn't as quick to pull the trigger and he allowed place to develop. But past that, I didn't see much improvement for a guy who had an entire off season. As far as Jalen Waddle, he had that drop. I believe it was in the first half uh, when they were driving the field. You could tell he was a little nervous. But then in the second half, he came out and he scored right on the opening drive of the second half to give Miami – it was to give Miami the lead, wasn't it? Because it was 10-10 at that point. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. So I'm happy with how Jalen Waddle looks. I'm happy with how the defense looked. The defense looked pretty solid. A uh, few things we could tighten up there. But I don't know about Tua, man. I, I don't know if Tua is the answer. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions as to, you know, whether Miami should look at a guy like Deshaun Watson, you know, you know, not even, you know, touch, I'm not even going to touch the legal, you know, whole crisis going on with him. But, you know, I know there have been talks in that in that area. So, you know, it it's still kind of a up in the air situation with Miami right now. But, you know, you know, we were talking about Mac Jones and him having an outstanding debut, another quarterback who had an, another uh, great debut, you know, not not his first start in the league, but his first start with a new team. And that was Matthew Stafford. I mean, he made his debut for the LA Rams, you know, on Sunday night football against the Chicago bears. And he had himself a day, what, 20, 26, 321 yards, three touchdowns, man. I don't know if you saw this game, but Matthew Stafford looked special in this game. He was amazing. So I wasn't, I wasn't fortunate enough to watch it, but I did hear that it was the move to Detroit or sorry, not the move to Detroit, the The move move from Rams from Detroit might've been a good move for him. And I think it just shows that he has more potential than he was allowed to showcase when he was in Detroit and that he's a lot better of a quarterback. And what was holding him back was his team. Yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately Detroit is just such a hellhole of a franchise when it comes to when it, basically any sports team at, at, at this point right now, but you know, I saw Matthew Stafford come out there and I, I I'd heard like, you know, I'd heard a lot of fans say like, Oh, he's good in this area. He's good here. And, you know, uh, you hear like a lot of, you know, NFC North guys, you know, you know, talk up, talk up this Matthew Stafford game. But for a lot of people, it kind of fell on deaf ears just because, you know, you know, we just see this guy who, you know, has only led his team to the playoffs three times and, you know, has had a lot of, you know, has come up short a lot of a lot of the time. But, you know, I saw him. I saw him come out in this game and he was absolutely incredible. You know, typically when he was in Detroit, he wasn't used to running a lot of the bootleg offense that's associated with the LA Rams, but he looks like a natural and he was, you know, throwing some absolute darts and, you know, frankly, it looks spectacular. I think at this point, like, you know, pe- you know, people were talking about how, uh, you know, the Bucks, it, the addition of Tom Brady, obviously they made some other great additions as well, but Tom Brady being the most notable one last year for the Bucks you know, it was able to elevate them enough to get them to a Super Bowl. You know, you know, I'm starting to hear rumblings now that Matthew Stafford could be this for the LA Rams. They have a really good receiving core. Their defense is, you know, very strong. And, you know, I think that, you know, the substitution for Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford could be ga- game changing. I think that the Rams are, a le- could be a very legitimate threat out of the NFC now. I, I have to hundred percent agree with you there. I mean, again, it just shows that a quarterback, you know, when people want to say, oh, who's the GOAT, who's this, who's that, he's only done this, he's only done that, it proves that it's the team around you that does everything. It doesn't matter how good you are as a quarterback. If the team around you isn't good, you're not going to be good. And we're yeah. seeing it right here unfold in front of our eyes. I mean, 
first game, not as a Detroit Lion. And look at the stat line, three touchdowns. I, I think we got a lot to see this year with the Rams now that they get a quarterback back there who can sling it. And yeah, I think I mean, Stafford's finally going to show off. I mean, I don't – I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a double-edged sword because, like, you know, obviously, you know, Matthew Stafford wasn't able to have a ton of success because he – you know, cause he was able to, uh, you know, obviously he wasn't able to have a ton of success because, you know, of the weapons around him, but at the same time he was, you know, still, you know, revealed and kind of, you know, you know, he kind of had the allure of being, you know, a very good quarterback. So, I mean, I still think that is the case with him. And, you know, I think that he is only going to get better now. I mean, I think he's 33, but you know, watch out for him. He might, you know, we, the best of Matthew Stafford might, might just be yet to come because, you know, he finally now has a decent team around him. I have to agree with you again. I mean, I think we're going to see something special out of him. I'm going to be 100% honest. I yeah. think we're going to see something special out of him this year. Now that he's finally somewhere where he can – it's kind of like um, – what's the thing they call it? Like when a lion's in a cage, the lion's trying to get out of the cage, and now he's been let out of that cage. Yeah. Now he can actually show off all this talent that he's been kind of glimmering through and we've seen here and there while he was in Detroit. Now he can put it full on spotlight and he can really show the NFL. Yes. I'm an NFL caliber quarterback. And yes, I'm going to take this team to the playoffs and yes, I'm here to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you this, I am beyond excited for what is about to go down. And I, you know, even as a Patriots fan, I think the Rams are going to be a very fun team to watch this year. I cannot wait to see what happens with them. Another team that is on my radar as well right now has, you know, you know, basically, you know, and basically when Drew Brees announced his retirement, the New Orleans Saints were immediately on everybody's radar. And with the whole situation of Hurricane Ida and everything going on there with them now having to play in Jacksonville, all eyes were on the New Orleans Saints to see how Jameis Winston and that group could, could perform this year. And my God, they they came out on Sunday and they were awesome. I mean, I know Jay, I know Jameis only threw for I believe it was 148 yards, but I think he had five touchdowns against the Green Bay Packers. Absolutely smoked them, 38 to three, and it was just a complete and utter beatdown for those guys. And you know, I, I it, you know, I mean, goddamn, the, the LASIK surgery for Jameis might have actually paid off. I mean, I didn't think that it was going to make the biggest difference, but you know, you know, I obviously in Tampa, he was a, he did have 30 touchdowns along with 30 interceptions, but you know, he could be something to actually, you know, he could be a legitimate threat this year. I mean, I remember looking at the score and somebody had said it to me, it might've been Adam. And I was like, there's no way, there's just no way. There's no way that Aaron Rodgers and the green Bay Packers only put up three points and they let up 38 points to Jameis Winston. Yeah. Because for me, when I heard Drew Brees was retiring, I thought that was the start of a rebuild in New Orleans, if we're going to be honest. Yeah. So when I saw the stats come out for this game, I almost fell over and started <laughs> asking questions. You know, I, is this I, Green Bay just having a rough day or is this something that nobody expected? New Orleans is going to come out better than they were with Drew Brees last year. I mean, yeah. or what, two years ago. Yeah, that's so, something you know, I'll get. I'll get to the green Bay bit in a, in a second too, but you know, I was very concerned as to how they were going to do as well. I mean, I saw the first pre the first couple of preseason games where Jameis was getting in there and he was, and he was absolutely slinging the thing. So, you know, I had some, you know, decently high expectations for Jameis coming in, but I was still always nervous just because I thought, you know, he could revert back into Tampa Bay Jameis at any, at any single moment. And he still could, but you know, from what I've seen so far, it looks like, you know, he may have turned a new leaf and getting out of Tampa is, you know, was the best possible thing that could have happened to him. Well, you know, Tom Brady going there was the best possible thing that could happen for him. You know, so it's kind of an ironic little switch, but, you know, I think that Jameis Winston, you know, 
could I think he could be on the he could possibly be on the ropes for I'd have to say at least comeback player of the year. I don't know what other I don't know how much further he'd be able to go beyond that. But uh, early comeback player of the year, I know it's not an injury, but, you know, to be able to come back and be this dominant, it's uh, I'd put it up there. I mean, if you if when you saw that the Green Bay Packers were playing the Saints, if somebody asked you, what do you think the final score is going to be? How do you think Winston's going to do? I bet you it wouldn't be five touchdowns and an absolute blowout of the game. Well, well, even if the, even if they said, "Hey, the Packers are going to play the Saints, and the final score is going to be thirty-eight to three, like I, every every person on earth would would have thought that that would have been the Packers, like the the Packers that won that game. Like everyone would have thought that was the case. The fact that the Green Bay was was squandered to only three points is ridiculous. I mean. You know, I, I will get to that in just a second, but, you know, obviously all praise is up to uh, all, all the praise to Jameis Winston. You know, you know, I, I know Drew Brees also came out after the game. He ended up and he did end up saying, you know, I guess the one thing the Saints were missing this entire time was a deep ball because, you know, he was even kind of poking fun at his arm kind of, you know, waning towards the end. So, you know, there'll be a dangerous thing to watch, but, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, I don't know what the hell was going on with the Green Bay Packers in this game. They they just seemed dead in the water. I don't know what was going on with Aaron Rodgers. had two picks and, you know, ugly picks at that. It wasn't even like, you know, kind of just a batted ball up in the air that they, that the defensive back came down with. These were ugly picks like this, like this look, this looks like Brett Favre, like, you know, like, you know, going across the field, throwing across his body type of picks. Like these were ugly interceptions. So, you know, you know, are you concerned about Aaron Rodgers in, in this instance, or is it more the Green Bay Packers as a whole that have you concerned? I mean, first off, I don't. I I first want to say is I don't want to take any credit away from New Orleans. They played a wonderful game, but th- there's a lot of questions, you know, that I raised, and I, I said these yesterday to Adam and Justin. Was does Aaron Rodgers really want to be there? MVP quarterback. He was MVP. You're yeah. going to tell me that an MVP quarterback comes out against what would you call New Orleans? An average defense, above I mean, average. The, the Saints are the Saints are fine. They're not terrible. So, but but you know, MVP quarterback. Yeah. What MVP quarterback is going to come out of this, you know, sorry, I should say, come into the season, not score a single touchdown, throw two interceptions, and look like he just didn't want to be there. And if you saw his body language as we went through, you know, preseason and training camp and all that stuff, and you watched his interviews, you, it just almost seemed like he didn't want to be part of this team. He wants nothing to do with Green Bay. He just doesn't seem interested. You can just tell from his body language, he just doesn't look like he wants to be there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I will say this. The Saints have a decent defense, but but I agree. They're not the 2000s Ravens or the 85 Bears. So, you know, you do have to kind of look at Rodgers in, in this instance. You know, I think that he does want to be in it. You know, he's he's been he's been kind of hyping up this whole last dance talk, you know, with comparing himself to Michael Jordan and Devontae Adams, doing, you know, being Scottie Pippen. I think they, I think, uh, you know, Randall Cobb threw in there and saying, saying he was Ron Harper. So I, I do think that, I do think Rodgers wants to take it seriously. But I don't know if it's the kind of thing where, you know, when Tom Brady was getting towards the end, he was doing like a lot of the stuff like the Tom versus time documentary, you know, well, not, not obviously, not, obviously not towards the end, you know, in general, cause he still, he, Tom Brady still looks like he could be in his prime. So I'm not like discounting him and I'm discounting, I'm not discounting Rogers at a physical level, but you know, towards the end of Brady's tenure in New England, he was doing a lot of the Tom versus time stuff was doing a lot more, you know, was being a lot more active on social media, Aaron Rodgers this off season, you know, you know, for the most part was, you know, very quiet, uh, you know, apart from his, uh, you know, Jeopardy, you know, guest, uh, guest appearances, you know, you know, was uh, being a little more active, but for the most part, you know, was still being Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, I think that he still wants to be in it. 
but I, I don't know. It's, it's been a very weird road. I mean, as a Green Bay fan, I definitely would ask the question, do you want to be here and do you want to be a quarterback? Because if I was a Green Bay fan, knowing I had supposedly an MVP caliber quarterback and I got blown out by the Saints, I'd have a lot of questions. I mean, Green Bay fans, as you know, are diehards. They live, eat, and breathe at Lambeau Field. And it's just, you got to ask what happened. Did yeah. the defense, you know, and obviously the defense didn't pull through. I mean, they gave up 38, but is that because, hey, you know, if he doesn't care, I'm not going to care either. Like, it, does, is this coming from the top where, you know, he's not showing leadership, so why do I care if he doesn't care? Like, where there has to be something stemming from somewhere. It feels like you don't just, you know, get blown out 38 to 3 and just walk away and pretend it's a new week. Like, it feels like there has to be an element that we're not seeing or that's being hidden from us that's causing Green Bay to fall apart. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this. The one thing that you can, you know, kind of say about the saving grace of the Green Bay Packers is, you know, I, I do think that they still are a good football team. I, I think that they'll still be, you know, fine this year. And, you know, if they do manage to turn it around, the way you could look at it is like this. I mean, I don't know how much, I don't know how aware of this you are, but, you know, during one of the Patriots, you know, Super Bowl winning uh, seasons, they ended up, you know, they, I think they faced the Bills opening day. It was, it was actually, I believe in 2003. So, the so it was actually so you know, they faced so not only did they face uh drew bledsoe at, you know who was playing for the bills at the time but right before the start of the 2003 season they had cut lawyer malloy their uh longtime safety and you know one one of the staples of their defense and he went to the bills in that very first weekend you know it was kind of a revenge game against the patriots and they ended up beating the patriots 31 nothing it was a beat down and it was just you know an utter embarrassment and, you know, obviously the Patriots were able to grow throughout that season. And they, and I believe they built, I believe they also played the Bills the last game of the season as well. And they managed to beat them 31 to nothing and kind of a poetic victory. Now, I think this Packers team can definitely grow. I think that, you know, from speaking with multiple Packers fans, you know, Pat Edwards being one of them that I've uh, spoken with at length, you know, you got to make sure that Rodgers isn't too dependent on Devontae Adams. He, he's he's got to be spreading the football around a lot more. Obviously, Devontae is your one, and you can make the case for him being the best receiver in the league. But, you know, you got to spread the wealth. Get get Robert Tanyan involved in that offense. Have him uh, have him run a little bit of the show. You got Randall Cobb back, so run him in the slot some more. So you do have some more weapons this year. So, you know, if you want to be successful, you got to do that. And obviously, the defense has to step it up too because, you know, whatever you can say about the faults of Aaron Rodgers – if if your defensive guys aren't you know are allowing you know are allowing just that many points in general you know obviously you, you got to let Rodgers Rodgers has got to keep them in the game more but you know the defense has got to pick up the slack as well no and I 100% agree I mean you know it's a game of offense and a game of defense and Rodgers only plays on one side of it but I just think it's I just find it odd because we you talk about the Patriots from what was it 2003 it, yeah it was a it was it was an early game you know it and, and coming off that too, the, uh, you know, the Patriots during that 2003 season, you know, obviously won the Super Bowl during 01. 02 was a very weird year that not a lot of people talk about during the Patriots dynasty. They missed the playoffs in 02. They went nine and seven and was a, you know, kind of was the only Super Bowl hangover year that's really, you know, ever been noted in Patriots history. And it's kind of been forgotten because they ended up winning two straight Super Bowls right afterwards. But that is, uh, but that was what happened. Yeah. No, I just, I was going to say that let's look at that Patriots came off a losing record. They came back out. They had a couple new pieces to the team. Like you were saying, they put it together and they went and won a super bowl. Here we are with the quarterback that's been in the league for, he's been there for what? 
I mean, he's been in, I think since 2005, I think came on, you know, a little bit after that. So he's been in the league for a, for a long while at this point, Aaron Rodgers. So this is where I see the difference is in New England in 2003, you just had gotten what Tom Brady had only been there. He had been there since 2000, but he had, but he came on in 01. He had won. He had only played. He only started for two seasons at that point. But at that point, so you have a two-year starter quarterback who now is the goat, but at the time was still learning and developing. At the time, he was still at the time he was still relatively seen as a game manager. Yeah, but you still have the team around him that you said had new pieces that was building up that season. Here we are with the Green Bay team that I don't want to say hasn't changed much, but you have a quarterback who's been there for 15 years, and it's hard to just believe that he here's Aaron Rodgers he's got the weapons he's such a good quarterback it's hard to believe that a guy who wants it that bad can't score a touchdown when he's been working with his offense for so long it's just so hard it's hard to grasp that you could play so poorly and claim to be an MVP Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I won't say that Rodgers you know that Rodgers temper isn't wearing thin and he isn't you know frustrated at all with this team I think you I think you'd have to be blind and deaf to not be able to tell that he hasn't made that assumption. You know, he's definitely frustrated with the moves that this team has made. You know, obviously the drafting of Jordan Love was, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of was like the big, you know, you know, climax that kind of set this whole thing off, but there've been a ton of other moves in general. You know, he's been frustrated that the team didn't bring back guys like Jordy Nelson and other moves, you know, accordingly. So, you know, I'll have to think and see, you know, you know, it's going to be a very wild ride to see what happens. Another thing that you can say uh, that was another, you know, positive, I guess you can throw on the Packers for this year is the last team the Saints beat, the, the last team that the Saints beat 38 to nothing or 38 to three rather was the, was the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, last, last year. And obviously the Bucks went on to, you know, beat them in the playoffs and have a great Super Bowl. But, you know, so, you know, it's a long season. It's, you know, you have an extra game this year. So, you know, you know, if you're the Packers, hopefully you can try to throw this one out and, you know, I don't know who they're facing next week. I'll have to go look into that, but you know, hopefully they, uh, hopefully they can make up for it this week. I just, I don't know if that's a game where you can just walk away and throw it away. I mean, I play football now and we can't, you know, if we lose 45 to I don't know, 14 or 38 to three, like in this, or, you know, whatever, we can't just throw that away. You just don't for, it's one of those things where you just can't pretend there wasn't a lot of things that went wrong. Oh no! You, no, there, trust me. There are a ton of things that went wrong in that game, but I think that you know you want to hold on to the mistakes and you want and you want to be able to you know obviously you know improve from there. But at the same time, you don't want to be you don't want to like linger on it and you don't want it to stay with you. You want to be able to say, all right, you know, we had a very rough game. You know, had a you know a lot of things went wrong for us. But what, but at this point, what we need to do is we need to move on and we need to you know now figure out like what the next course of action is for us. So obviously. You know, you have to figure out, you know, where those mistakes went wrong, but, you know, you do have to, you know, you know, get ready for their next game, which I did look up. It's against the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff at this point. So, you know, hopefully could be a little bit more of a uh, little bit more of kind of a show off game for them. Maybe they can uh, gain some real confidence from that. So I guess we'll, look we'll have to yeah, so we'll look we'll be able to tell what Rodgers is going to do. Yeah. So that'll be something to look forward to, uh, you know. Uh, but another another uh, big story in NFL news that I wanted to get on, that I wanted to get you on for was, uh, you know, you actually I put out a post on my Instagram talking about this. But, you know, you actually managed to uh, and you ended up replying to it along with uh, along with Matt. So he was able to, you know, get in and talk with this. But, uh, you know, it came in after week one that 
that the Washington football team, you know, starting quarterback, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the legend himself, Ryan Fitzmagic is going to be out for six to eight weeks with a hip injury. I, I don't, I don't know the full extent of it, but he's going to be out six to eight weeks reportedly. And, you know, as of right now, Washington is planning to start Taylor Heineke at quarterback uh, next Sunday. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a very delicate situation over there in uh over there. I mean, I, you know, we got to see Taylor Heineke at the end of last year, you know, when the, when Washington was basically, basically exhausted all options at quarterback and Heineke actually looked fairly, you know, you know, fairly good at quarterback. I will say that he looks like he could be, you know, something decent, but you know, if you're Washington and you're actually trying to make a bid in the NFC, in the NFC East this year, which, you know, every year can be a very winnable division, you know, you know, you kind of have to think about going out and getting a, and getting a, a, you know, legitimate starting caliber quarterback. Now, I don't necessarily think that he's at this level anymore, but Cam Newton obviously was released in the Patriots. You know, you know, we talked about it when Mac Jones, you know, got the, got the starting nod and everything being involved with that. But with Cam Newton coming back, uh, would, would Washington be a possible fit for him? And do you think that Washington should take him on? Uh, I don't personally, I mean, cause here's the thing. If you take on Cam Newton, it's just a temporary solution until Fitzpatrick gets back. But even if you take him on, we saw how he performed in New England. You know, what do they expect to get out of him? Because if you bring him in and he doesn't do anything well, you're better off giving Heineke the experience so that if this happens again, Heineke's ready. Yeah. Because, and that's the thing. It's like, if, if it was somebody else, so like Deshaun Watson, or, you know, a good quarterback, different story. Like, yeah. We watched how Cam Newton performed with the Patriots. We know why the Patriots got rid of Cam Newton. We know how much of a character Cam Newton can be. And that's a lot for Washington to take on if it's only going to be a temporary plug until Ryan Fitzpatrick can get back. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I'll say this. I think that if Cam Newton doesn't get a chance with Washington, then I think he's done as a starter. I will say that. That is my That's my take because, you know, Washington is the perfect situation for Cam Newton. Now, I don't. Now I like Heineke as a starter as well, but you know, for Cam Newton, if you're, if you're his agent, you're doing everything in your power to get him to Washington at this point. And, you know, obviously why he has the connection with, with head coach, with head coach Ron Rivera, who has, you know, deep loving respect for him. He has, you know, obviously with him, obviously with Fitzpatrick being out, you know, the six to eight weeks, you know, it'd be a very different offense that you put in place, but you know, with, with uh, Rivera knowing Cam Newton's strengths and weaknesses, I think it would be able to play very nicely for him. Now, I, I'm, I'm skeptical, you know, that Washington will make this move because I agree with you that, you know, I think Heineke, you know, should get this uh, experience. But in my, in my personal opinion, if Washington doesn't sign Cam Newton, then he's done as a quarterback, uh, at, at, least, at least as a starting level quarterback. I don't think another team's going to give him a shot. I mean, I, I absolutely. I don't think the thing is, this Cam, you were saying Cam Newton wants to go play for Washington. But this, the question is, does Washington want Cam Newton to play for them? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, like you said, it's a delicate subject. Cam Newton didn't really perform when he played for the Patriots. And I just, I could see him being a backup quarterback or kind of like a Fitzpatrick where he bounces around a little bit, but I can't see him being sustainable anywhere. And especially since, I mean, after the season Fitzpatrick had last year, both when he came in behind to a down and he brought the Dolphins back a few times to win games. I think Fitzpatrick honestly is a little underrated. Oh, no, I, I definitely agree that Fitzpatrick's underrated, you know, you know, and he's, he's kind of, he's kind of aged like a fine wine. He's gotten better with age, which is, 
you know, you don't really see from a lot of, you know, journeyman quarterbacks like this, you know, he's kind of done the opposite of what a guy like Josh McCown did. Josh McCown, obviously, you know, all the respect, all the respect to McCown was able to play into his forties, you know, was a warrior, you know, when, you know, the Eagles lost Carson Wentz in the playoffs, he came in and, you know, played injured to, you know, give them a shot to move on. And, you know, obviously it was a very tough situation for him, but, you know, you know, when Brian Fitzpatrick started off it with, with teams like Buffalo and, you know, until he really got to, you know, I'd say the jets later on in his career, he was, you know, you know, kind of a below average guy ever since then, something has clicked with him and he's been able to figure a lot of stuff out. So, you know, I give Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot of credit. I hope that, you know, he is able to come back after this and I don't know how much longer he'll play, but if he is able to play, you know, any bit longer for this, I will, I'd be very happy to see it, you know, cause he's just, you know, really built himself up as a likable guy at this point. But I, I you know, I got to tell you, man, I don't, I don't think that Cam Newton will accept a backup job anywhere. It, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, kind of has some humility. And, you know, when, it, when it came to them deciding, all right, we're going to have two ago, you know, you didn't see Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, causing any arguments. You didn't see him like, you know, you know, becoming a problem. I think if Cam Newton isn't the starting quarterback, then it's going to be an issue. And I don't, you know, I think that's the reason why new England released him. You know, Cam Newton even came out and said that, you know, if he wasn't named the starting quarterback, new England thought that he was going to be a problem in the locker room. If Cam Newton is coming out and openly admitting that and not even calling BS on it, that worries me. So, you know, I think that, you know, I think that his career could be in jeopardy. You know, I don't know how many other teams are willing to take a chance on him. Maybe if maybe if things in Houston don't go well with Tyrod Taylor, because he's always kind of been a wild card. He's kind of he's kind of a more more mobile version of what of what Ryan Fitzpatrick was, you know, a journeyman that, you know, can have some success at times, but other times can just fall off a cliff and, you know, can sometimes just be a really, uh, it, you know, so, sometimes can just be snake bitten at the position. You know, he's unfortunately has some really bad injuries that have, you know, cost him his job. You think of the punctured lung out in, out in Los Angeles, you think of the, uh, I believe it was a concussion that took him out, uh, that took him out when he was in Cleveland to let Baker Mayfield come in and take the position away from him there. So, you know, it's been a really unfortunate position for him, but, you know, if, if things go bad for Tyrod Taylor, that's, I guess, another possible avenue that Cam Newton could look at. But besides that, I really don't have much else for him at this point. I think a lot of teams are content with their quarterbacks and, you know, you know, any team that isn't, I think is going to just look to the draft at this point. I mean, let me, let me pose a question to you, right? So if you're, if you're the Washington football team and you're the head office, you decide to bring in Cam Newton. Now what happens six to eight weeks from now when Ryan Fitzpatrick's healthy and comes back and makes the return and you say, okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starter. Like you just said, Cam Newton admitted there would be problems if he was the backup. And now, you know, now Washington doesn't want to put this and, you know, make it their problem. So, you know, they have to think long-term too. It's like, great, we can bring him in as a short-term solution, but what happens once Fitzpatrick is back? Yeah. And I think that it's something Washington doesn't want to deal with. Obviously new England didn't want to deal with it. They caught him. So, you know, that's the other things to consider is what are the long-term effects of us signing Cam Newton? Yeah. I mean, there are a ton of long-term effects. I, you know, you'd have to wonder that, you know, if Washington got into a playoff stretch, cause you know, you know, God forbid Dallas falls apart, which really on any, any year in the NFC can happen, you know, that division's just a mess. So I think if Washington was to get into kind of a playoff hunt with it and they wanted to use Cam Newton, maybe more of like a Taysom Hill role and maybe not, not fully outright him to backup, but, but say, all right, we're going to use you in certain package plays. I think Cam Newton could do that, but I think an outright backup spot where he's, where he's got to be holding the clipboard and have the headset on, he's not going to do that. I think that he could do a Taysom Hill role, but anything beyond anything, you know, you know, less of that, he would, I think he'll be completely against. I, I just don't think, honestly, I think Cam Newton's career is just 
coming to an end. I think we've hit a point where there's no more to see of Cam Newton. He tried proving himself with Carolina. Then he tried proving himself with New England. I just don't think that any – I think every team has realized he's not worth the headache that he brings to the team. Yeah. And, and I mean, all know it. And I mean I'll say this. Guy. I don't think that Cam Newton is a bad guy. I think that Cam Newton, you know, has great leadership qualities. I think that he is a good human being for what he does for his community. I'm not I'm – not dis- I'm not dissing on Cam Newton the person at all. But I think Cam Newton the player rather just doesn't have it, you know, for what, for what a quarterback position the NFL is needing. No, I, they, I would never – Cam Newton has done a lot, I know, for his community, and he's always posting about it. And there's nothing wrong with him there, but it's who he is in the locker room. And being a football player, we see it a lot. Is like, you know, we have captains on the football team, obviously, and there's times where we might say, oh, this captain's doing this, this captain's doing that. The captain's somebody who's supposed to lead, but sometimes you have to lead off the field as well as on the field. And you, we've seen his interviews. We see some of the stuff he says. You know, and he's he admitted he would cause problems if he was a backup quarterback, and nobody wants to put up with that. No, nobody at the collegiate level, the NFL, the high school level, it doesn't matter how good you are. They used to tell us in high school all the time, it doesn't matter how good you are. The first five questions a college asks is who you are as a person, are you coachable, are you this, are you that, then are you good at football? And I can't imagine the process, you know, isn't much different in the NFL. You know, is he coachable, this, that, that, and how good is he actually at football? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. You know, I, it is unfortunate that the career of Cam Newton looks like it could be coming to an end, but, you know, he's had an incredible career. And, you know, if he does get another shot to prove himself, I hope he can prove me wrong. But at this point, I think my con- I think my consensus and yours as well is, you know, that it, it looks like it's getting towards the end here. But, you know, another quarterback that I want to talk about, you know, and his impact on the league uh, you know, he's had more of a, uh, you know, positive impact lately, you know, on the field and has been, you know, more of a contributor. And that is uh, Lamar Jackson. He, he ended up facing the, uh, he ended up facing the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football. And my God, that game was a shootout. Did you, did you check that thing? I got to, I got back from practice. I got to watch the fourth quarter and uh, overtime. So I got that to thing, watch the most important part. That thing was amazing. That game. I mean, you know, you know, Derek Carr, all, all the credit to him. A lot of people were asking for him to be out of a job, you know, in in Las Vegas. You know, people were clamoring for Marcus Mariota. But Derek Carr, you know, all, all the way through one pick, had 435 yards passing, two touchdowns, and, you know, led them to a comeback victory. You know, you know, a lot of people like to like to kind of crap on Derek Carr. But, you know, you know, he may not be like, you know, this all-time gunslinging quarterback, but he's, you know, a very capable guy, guy at the position. I mean, I thought he played a great – from what I saw, I thought he played a great game. I mean, it's hard to score in overtime, you know, win a game. I, we played a game in overtime the other day, and we lost. You fall under the pressure. But he was able to, after coming back from being down, under pressure, was able to go down and score to win the game. I mean, that's just – yeah, I mean, granted, you had to watch the game to be in awe, but he looked good out there. I can't, I mean, even last year, he looked good against Miami when we played, granted we had that lucky throw from Fitzpatrick where he was grabbing his face mask and it was a 15 yarder and we caught it. But even then he's always looked good. I just think a lot of people overlook Derek Carr. Not sure why, but I always thought his Derek Carr is a respected quarterback. You know, obviously he's not like the Tom Brady's of the league and we don't talk of him to that regard, but I think he's another one who's very underrated and has clearly shown that he can perform when he has to. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. But, you know, unfortunately, the whole the the story of Derek Carr's comeback victory is, you know, unfortunately being overshadowed by, 
you know, Lamar Jackson rather coming up short. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's sometimes you, you, you kind of, you can't really, you know, talk about the success of one player because, you know, sometimes the failure of one is just so dominating in the news cycle. And I do want to talk about that because, you know, Lamar obviously had a costly fumble that, you know, really ended up, that really ended up swinging the game. And, you know, I think this is going to be, you know, I'm not really, you know, bashing on Lamar for, for, you know, ball control issues or anything like that. But, you know, the Ravens this year, I, I, I was talking about them, you know, for possibly making uh, possibly being in some uh, Super Bowl odds for me and making some improvement. But, you know, after the injuries they've sustained at running back, it's very hard for me to look at them like that anymore, you know, you know, and I think that Lamar is going to have to carry a significant load of this team. I mean, he had, you know, he, he had obviously led the team in passing, but also in rushing, he ran for 86 yards total on 12, uh, on 12 attempts. So, you know, I think Lamar's got a lot on his plate this season. It could be the type of thing where he just gets so much usage that, you know, maybe you see him get, get another MVP season. But, you know, this wasn't really one of those showings for him. You know, I saw a stat that said, you know, through five through five total starts, uh, Jalen Hurts has more has more 300 yard passing games than Lamar Jackson does through 38 starts. And, you know, Jalen Hurts has two and Lamar only has one. And, you know, looking at this game, you know, Lamar, Lamar Jackson also, you know, just again had. 235 passing yards, you know, under, under 250. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, Lamar is an amazing runner. You know, I think was able to pass up Michael Vick's, uh, I don't know if it was rushing yards or rushing touchdown record, just uh, about a season or two ago. And, you know, granted, he is an amazing athlete on the field, but, you know, part of the quarterback position now in the NFL is that you do have to be able to throw the ball, you know, efficiently. So at what point do you think, at what point, you know, is it now that we have to really start, you know, criticizing Lamar? Cause you know, he's been able to, he's been able to lead the Ravens to, you know, two solid playoff runs. I know they've come up short, but you know, at this point, I think, you know, we kind of have to say Lamar's got to get better at throwing the football. Otherwise, like the Ravens are just going to be stuck in this, you know, kind of area where, you know, they have a ton of success, but then in the playoffs, it's just kind of all falls flat. No, I have to agree with you. I mean, and no discredit to them. They played a great game. I mean, take any oh, yeah. game over time is impressive whether you were winning a half, losing a half, whatever, just to, exactly. You know, they played a good game, but I a hundred percent agree. And I've been saying this and I always like to, you know, bust Justin Tucker about it. Oh yeah. You know, I'll then, you know, walk up to him and be like, Lamar Jackson's a running back. He's not a quarterback, but it's starting to show Lamar yeah. Jackson doesn't trust. It's almost like he doesn't trust himself throwing the ball and defense is scheme to that. You'll notice yeah. teams will load the box against him because they know he's going to take off and they don't mm-hmm. have to play as many men in coverage because they know the slightest thing that he doesn't like, and he's just going to run. And I think Lamar Jackson has to work on sitting in the pocket, reading a defense, and actually breaking it down versus almost like panicking and just going, I'm going to run. And that's what he does. You see it. As soon as he doesn't like it, he goes, takes off. And teams are ready for it, especially in the playoffs when they have a whole year worth of film at that point to watch over and see exactly what his reads are and what he's doing when he doesn't like the reads. You'll see teams in the playoffs load the box up, six, seven, eight guys. They'll leave everyone man-to-man. And Lamar will go to take off and he'll get nowhere. And then when his run game doesn't work, he'll try to just start chucking it as deep as he can instead of making the right reads because he starts panicking because he can't run for yards. Then he starts making bad throws. And that's when the games fall apart for him. And we've seen that every time they've made the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, I'll say this, you know, Lamar Jackson, I I don't know. It's, it's a very tough situation for me because, you know, you see Lamar go out there and, you know, you know, I, I don't know. It's, Oh, this is what I wanted to tell you. Uh, you know, defense are, defenses are essentially baiting Lamar Jackson to throw, like how NBA defenses bait Ben Simmons to shoot a three-pointer. 
it's yeah. it's not it's not as bad because like you know in you know Ben Simmons just will refuse to shoot a three pointer. I know Lamar actually will pass the football, and you know that it's just something he needs to get better at. While Ben Simmons will refuse to shoot a three a free throw or a three pointer, which you know frustrates me to no end, and because it doesn't even look like he's willing to even try to get better at it. But you know it is something Lamar's gonna have to pick up. You know even looking at Michael Vick, who you know a lot of people compare Lamar Jackson to, even though they are fairly different in their style, you know, you know, but being very run dominant, you know, obviously is, you know, the key factor in what a lot of people take away from them. You know, obviously when Mike Vick was with the Falcons, he was, you know, insanely run based, you know, very similar to Lamar. And then when he went on his two two or so year, quote unquote, vacation from the league, uh, I won't get into too much with what happened there. I have, you know, just, you know, read a history book on that. But when he went on his little vacation from the league, he came back to Philadelphia and he actually was a decent thrower of the football was able to, you know, you know, obviously still had some solid legs, but, you know, developing developed into a, you know, semi-decent pocket passer. It wasn't anything. He wasn't Dan Marino for, for your sake or Joe Montana or anything like that, but he was a solid enough pocket passer that it was passing, you know, in the, in the running, you know, just made him, you know, that much more dynamic of a quarterback. Lamar has got to get that. And, you know, I don't know when that's going to develop for him. I don't, I, hopefully it doesn't take him a two-year vacation. I'm not saying that Lamar is that kind of guy. I will not, I'm not, I'm not defaming Lamar in any, in any sort of way, but I hope it doesn't take, you know, a little break from the league for him to have to do something like that. I, I think that, you know, just get him in with some great, get him in with some, you know, all-time quarterbacks. I don't know if Dan Marino does throwing camps for football for quarterbacks like that. But get him with some of these all-time throwers. Like, I don't know, you know, get him with a guy like Drew Brees, a guy like Peyton Manning, even though I know they have noodle arms at this point. But they can maybe teach him some of the techniques of standing back in the pocket and, you know, and, you know, learning to read defenses. It's something that, you know, he's going to have to learn, especially as he, as he gets older. And, you know, while while the while his mobility is always going to be part of his game until the day he retires, he's, you know, when it does start to, you know, when he can't do it as frequently – the ability to step up, the ability to stand back in the pocket and pass is going to be, you know, needed. I I just think the thing is with Lamar Jackson is and this is this is a bold statement, but we saw it the other way around. Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver, came yes. in, they should transition him to quarterback. They thought there was a better fit. What stopped them from taking Lamar Jackson and putting him somewhere or putting <laughs> you know? Think about it. It's a genuine idea. He's athletic. He's talented. Granted, it, it's so far out there, but it's happened before. What stops a team from taking him and actually utilizing him somewhere better? It's Did happened before. I mean, Tannehill was more of an – Tannehill more happened at Alabama, and he was kind of a – they used him in both aspects at the time. I, you know, Tannehill worked. I, I think, you know, and, you know, for being a college offense, you were able to say, all right, we're going to put this guy here and just see and see what works, and that that worked very well for them. I, I don't think he can do that necessarily with Lamar Jackson based on how much you've, you know, I, you know, you know, looking at the contract you've given the guy, everything like you have in that you've given him the money to be the starting quarterback. You, you've given him starting quarterback money. And I don't think at this point you can pull the plug on him and say, say you're going to make him a running back. Cause that's way too much money to be paying a running back. I, I think at this point it's, you know, you, you'll be getting the best bang for your buck. If you teach him how to pass then rather than just giving up on him and putting him at, at another position, in my opinion. No, I agree. I was. Just, it was just a point because I, you know, people are always like, "Oh, he likes to run." Da da da. Like, why don't why don't we? You know? and, and I it crossed my mind when he first got drafted, and I was like, "Oh, all he does is run and run and run and run." And I'm like, you know, there's ten other positions on the football field yeah. you know, on the offense besides quarterback. What stops the team from using him somewhere else? 
if yeah. you, even even if you used him as a package, kind of like, all right, we need him for these kind of plays and so-and-so for these. The Tennessee Titans did it for a short time with uh, Mariota. The Dolphins did it this past Sunday. Whenever they were in short field, they put in Brissett because he's bigger, and they used him to get mo- uh, momentum to get those first downs. Very true. What stops teams from using him in that aspect? Granted, at this point, it's too far. Like you said, they're paying him way too much money. But these are things that should have been considered now. Here you have a guy who's fast, who can sling the ball if he has to, you know, short yardage situations. Why can a team take him and use him hand-to-hand with another guy and just make themselves way better? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. I mean, you know, I, I I just have to say they've put way too much money in at this point. You know, I've, I said that at that point, but, you know, I, it, it'll definitely be a thing to watch with the Ravens this year. I, I'm excited to see how they will do with all, with basically all their running backs, uh, you know, catching the injury bug. You know, they now have a backfield of Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman, which five years ago would have looked absolutely stacked as a backfield. People would have thought that, you know, that was like a, that was like a Madden ultimate team backfield. But uh, I digress by saying, you know, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, running back lifespans don't last that long. So I'll be interested to see how this team does, you know, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, we've burned through a lot of topics on the show tonight. So we got one last thing to talk with you guys. And, you know, it seems that this topic comes up, you know, every, every fall, I put up a post about it saying, and I, you know, I quoted a guy who who ended up saying, you know, it's, it's only fitting that in fall, the leaves start to change. The air gets a little bit, the air, the air gets a little bit chillier and news of, and news of Josh Gordon being reinstated uh, comes out. And my God, I, I, this man has 1 million freaking chances. Like I can't get over it. Josh Gordon. Then when I saw him get the news of him getting reinstated again, I'm just like, you can't be serious now. Trust me. I'm a, big Josh Gordon supporter. I think that, you know, what he's gone through, you know, and, you know, I believe his personal struggles. I, I think that he has struggled with, uh, you know, with substances beyond marijuana and beyond, you know, different things like that. I, you know, I've, I've heard of the struggles that he's gone through. So I feel for him greatly, but the fact that he's gotten this many chances is crazy. I mean, I, I've only, I just, I only saw it quick. I've been busy since it came out. I haven't really had time to dive too deep into it. But he had, I have to agree, he's gotten too many chances. You know how they see life only gives you so many chances? This man is the definition of life gives you, as you know, only gives you so many chances. And he keeps taking them all for granted. So I guess, you know, I guess now only time will tell is he actually going to use this chance to do something, or are we just going to be back where we were when he got uh, banned from the league the first time? Yeah, I mean, I know I know you weren't given a lot of time to digest the news of him coming back, but I feel like, you know, just just hearing so many reports of, oh, Josh Gordon's been reinstated, Josh Gordon's been reinstated. I think you were just ready for a response with it regardless, just because it's happened so many times at this point. And, you know, frankly, I wouldn't mind Josh Gordon coming back to the league. I, I, I But, you know, I think for his personal sake now, you know, whenever he's out of the league, I don't know what it is. He manages to get clean very easily. You know, he'll, he'll you know, like as soon as like he's out of the league, he has like, you know, I, I don't know his personal struggles, but it seems like when he's out of the league, he's able to get clean and he doesn't have a ton of problems when he's there. It's for some reason when he comes back to football, you know, I think I think his tenure with the Patriots was, you know, the longest that you didn't really hear a lot of Josh Gordon, you know, you know, you know, substance abuse stories. It was a, it was surprisingly long the amount of time that it was with Josh Gordon. So, I mean, you hear these you hear this, you, you hear all these stories and it's like. Like, what can this guy do at this point? Like, it's, I, I don't know. Like, 
I, I almost think that at this point, it might be better for him to be out of football because he seems to have his substance, his substance issues under control. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but you know, from the, from, from an outsider's perspective, that's what I can see. And, you know, it's time for him to toss in the towel and quit the dream of football. I mean, and they always say football can be a lot um, on people, especially professionally. I mean, I know all the time here, they talk about how collegiate sports can stress you out and can mentally, you know, screw around with you. So I can't even imagine at the professional level, just oh, I can't. your it's... life is literally football all day, every day. And for some guys, I guess they look to drugs to help them forget that. And But if this is a reoccurring pattern, which it has been, at some point you just got to toss in the towel yourself and say, I can't handle football in my life. It's too much for me to handle. Clearly we've all seen it's too much. It leads them down a road that nobody should ever go down. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time for him to just hang up the towel and walk away. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, I'd say it's, I'd, I'd say for him, it should definitely be on the table. I mean, he's, he seems to be very excited about coming back again. I mean, you know, as he does all the time, it seems that, you know, as soon as he's given the chance, he's always psyched to come back, but something just seems to go wrong for this guy. And I really, really do feel for him. I, I want to, I, I want to stress that, that I do feel for him, you know, as a person and, you know, as a player, when Josh Gordon was in the league and, you know, performing and not having to deal with all these issues, he's an electrifying player. He's an amazing guy to, you know, when he was on the field, even when he was, even when he came back was with the Patriots and definitely wasn't in his prime, he was a solid target for us, you know? So, the thing I have to ask you is, you know, if, you know, as a Dolphins fan or even as a Patriots fan or just any team in general that's, you know, needs some wide receiver help, you know, is, is this a guy you take a flyer on? Cause you know, he's, you know, kind of a, he's kind of a high risk, high reward kind of guy, pretty much, you know, he, you know, if Josh Gordon, you get him at his best, you know, he's a very nice, you know, deep threat receiver can provide a, a lot of explosiveness, but you know, you have to, you know, at least factor in the idea that, you know, you know, with him, you know, with any week, he could, you know, be off your team for, you know, the rest of the season, at least like is if you're the dolphins, would you want that? Would you want your team to take a flyer on this guy? Absolutely not. Really? Here's the thing. I, I, like I was saying earlier, when we were talking about Cam Newton, I rather have an average player who doesn't cause drama, who I know is going to be there all 17 weeks unless they get hurt than have someone who's lights out, but next week could go off the deep end. Mm-hmm. And I know that's for a lot of people, again, no matter what level of football it is, they will take an average player who has their head on straight and somebody who's really, really good, but could blow it all within a day. Yeah. I, I think for me, the, I, I would probably say the, if I'm the Patriots and you have Mac Jones, obviously they spent a lot of money in free agency on, on offensive weapons. And I'm so grateful for that. Like 200 freaking million dollars on guys like Hunter Henry, John New Smith, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. It's a very nice defensive haul. And, you know, you pair that with guys like Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers. It's a great offense that, you know, we're starting to build there. And I think it'll be a great core win. You know, they all gel together, but you know, the one thing I guess you could say about Josh Gordon and his time in new England is that, you know, Besides, you know, when he first came into the league and had that amazing season with the Cleveland Browns, his time in New England was the longest time he was able to, you know, stay clean from what a lot of people understand. So if I'm the Patriots, I would, you know, I'd at least have some interest in it. I I, I know that you, you'd probably go, you'd probably stay off of it, but my hope would be that Bill Belichick could, you know, somehow keep him right. You know, I, I, I don't really think that it's in, in the best interest of Josh to come back, but if he does, 
I'd have to say the Pats would be his best bet just on the fact that, you know, I think Bill, you know, runs a very tight ship over there and he'd be able to, you know, you know, I hope keep him under control. I mean, it's just a cycle and, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. So, you know, if it happened, it happened fool me once, seven, fool me seven times at this yeah, point. Like, yeah. So like it happened once. Okay. Whatever, you know, nobody knew, but now all these teams that have taken chances on him, it's like, come on, it's happened six times, seven times. How, how many more times do you have to see it for you to realize this guy is not worth having on your team? Yeah. That's how I see it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess in my sake, like, you know, you have two and, you know, you just got a first round wide receiver in Jalen Waddle. That guy looks like he's going to be really special. So, you know, you do have uh, some solid options over there at receiver. You know, you have Mike Asecki to a tight end uh, along with some great, uh, with some great other options. I think just for me right now, having a rookie quarterback, I think I just want that security blanket. That's just me personally, but uh, you know, I don't know. Any, any final thoughts that you have? I mean, I was just going to ask how much of a security blanket can a guy who you won't even know if he's going to be there next week really be? How can he be a security blanket? You know, yeah. he could relapse literally week one that you, you know, get him back on the team. Yeah. You can make the playoffs I, and then he relapses the week before the conference championship, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's why if you were to bring him back, you know, you know, Josh Gordon isn't, isn't necessarily, you know, you're not going to bring Josh Gordon in. He's not going to be a one anymore. He's not going to be that guy when you bring him back onto the team. So you know, the only thing I guess you could say is, you know, you bring back Josh Gordon and he's able to, I guess, in my mind, you know, be somewhat of a, you know, a number three kind of deep threat guy. And, you know, for me, I, I don't know, you know, you could say the idea of him being a security blanket. I think for, you know, maybe that wasn't the best phrasing for me. Maybe he could just be like, you know, kind of extra leverage for what, for the Patriots going into the playoffs, but you know, all in all, I'd, I can't wait to see what happens next in the NFL, but Sean, it has been a wild first week of the NFL season. I can't believe it's only been one week and we've, we have all these freaking storylines. It's incredible. And I got to thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It has been a blast to have you on. No, honestly, this was probably one of the craziest week ones I've ever seen. I mean, we were talking about it last night. There was nine upsets. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, you were able to, you know, and, you know, talk by, by talking about it last night, obviously you went on our friend, Adam Wright's uh, show, the fumble Ruski podcast, uh, go watch that episode with him as soon as you're done watching this one. But, you know, with that being said, we are now officially down to the wire, which means that we're going to do a quick little run through of everything we talked about this episode, and we will send you guys off on your way. Obviously, you know, we're very grateful to have Sean on the show, talk with him about the latest, about the latest across all sports. Had you had him in, we introduced him to you guys and on the show today, we talked about our thoughts on Mac Jones, regular season debut, Matthew Stafford's debut at the LA Rams, Jameis Winston's dominating victory over the green Bay Packers and whether Aaron Rodgers wants to be with this green Bay team. We also talked about, uh, we also talked about whether Washington is cams last is Cam Newton's last chance as a NFL starter. And as well as, you know, the Ravens uh, versus Raiders dramatic overtime ending. And we ended things talking about Josh Gordon's future in the NFL with the news of him, you know, reportedly being reinstated. You know, it hasn't been official, the reinstatement yet. I think he still needs Roger Goodell to sign off on at this point. But the NFL PA did come out and say that he has cleared all the programs. So they're saying that, like, he is able to, you know, you know, get it. So it it should be a formality that he'll be in reinstated. So we'll have to see where, where that goes. But uh, you know, great week one. I can't, you know, football is back, people, and you know. It, this season is just getting started. We have an we have an extra week of it too, so it's you know the storylines are going to be unbelievable this year. But from down to the wire, I'm Brian Costa. I'm Sean Howe.
and we'll see you guys next time. Take care.